Hello and welcome to season five, episode three um, of the Black Women Working podcast. My name is Tolu and I'm going to be hosting today's episode. But ladies, can you please introduce yourselves for those who may not quite recognise all of our voices yet? Chantel here. Hey, Tolls. Hello. It's Rachel. Rachel, go on. I just said it. It's Rachel here. Oh, Lord Jesus. One day we'll get this right. And last but no least, least. Natalie. They know me already. I don't need to introduce myself. Oh, wow. They know my voice. You can follow us at BWW Podcast UK on Instagram and Twitter. Our hashtag is the same. So join the conversation using hashtag BWW Podcast UK. And it's www.blackwomenworking.com for our website. So, without further ado, I'm going to set the scene for today's episode. So, you get a new job, a nice, exciting, hopefully, new job. You're excited to start, you're excited by the company, excited by the new challenges and the prospects for you in the job, where it might take you in your career path. Furthermore, the salary is sweet. Also sweet, sweet like chocolate boy. You know, I had to throw in a little <laughs> tune there. I'm like, you're Asian, you know. This song is like from 2000. That song's from primary school. Oh my yeah, gosh. It's 98. I wasn't even bought. I was still a toddler Oh, shut then. up. Don't shut age up. me. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Literally. I was the real toddler then. Just I ridiculous. The You're ridiculous. There's one year between us. Please relax. Please. <laughs> anyway, please. 12 anyway. months. It counts for a lot. Don't <laughs> underplay it. Wow. Anyway, back to the matter open and close. So you start the roll. <laughs> Oh, that's um, another song. It oh, is. Yeah. It's whiz kid. It, it is. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are getting it. You're Don't talk it. about this kid. That's a trigger word right now. Please. Oh lord, For guys, real. guys, you're, you're now you're aging the pod. You're aging it. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Anyway, back to what I was saying. So you started your role, and then before the week's even up, you realize you've been swindled because hey, <laughs> basically your professional skills, they were bought too cheaply and you're basically covering the role of two people who left the business in a way that commands the hush gossip of fellow Remainers. You know them ones still when you like ask, oh, who was in the role before? And no one can give you a complete sentence. That's wow. what I'm talking about because either the place was toxic or they were overloaded or like something very unfortunate happened to them. Either way, no one's really giving you the tea on it. Anyway, so you've clocked, you fall into a trap and you're basically now the dumping ground for every task that was shuffled onto someone else who never had the time nor the capacity to do it. And God forbid you do it with anything less than visible eagerness and cheer. Why? Because probation, innit? You want to impress for probation. So... That was a fake scenario based on a true story, though, mm-hmm. um, which leads us into the topic of today, which we've coined, lean on me, lean on me. I couldn't help you. I'm sorry. I couldn't. When you're on a strong... Is this Karaoke or BWW podcast? not music. All right. All right. Thank you for the chastisement, guys. Moving on. I love it, though. Yes. Basically, we're going to be discussing the times that you end up in a role or position where you're basically picking up the pieces for other people and you're being overloaded with work um, in a role that you, or you've been overloaded with work, sorry, in a role that you already have. So you're picking up somebody else's work. So 
I'm going to go straight into this topic with you guys. Um, I think maybe give me just one situation, if it applies, of when, or if you've ever been in a situation where you've either got the colleague that's not doing their job properly, basically, they're not pulling their weight, so you're doing your job, and basically most of theirs or all of it, all of theirs, or you've been in a role where you've just been given so much work, either because of sudden departures from the business or just unreasonable productivity expectations. Um, what was kind of like the impact on that for you? And was that something that you felt was dealt with or you were able to resolve whilst in that job? So, yeah, just give me one example or something. Hmm. That's a big question. Uh, yeah, it's it a big question. Yeah, it's a hard one. I think we also have to be mindful of like what stage of our career we're talking in as we go through this conversation. Cause I feel like yeah. depending on where you're at, whether you're a graduate or seasoned, you might navigate this situation very differently. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind to go first. Um, so being a humanity social sciences teacher kind of means you become a jack of all trades. So whilst my specialism is politics, I have taught all of them, sociology, geography, history, RE, psychology, I don't even know. I've taught them all. The ologies. Yeah, all the ologies, to the point I'm now teaching very successfully a subject that I don't even have a GCSE in. Yeah, I said it. Ra, what's that? Um, geography? Geography. Yeah. Oh. Who does a geography GCSE? Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> all I know about geography <laughs> is that was the thing where we always had to do bear colouring in. That's all I know about that subject. No, see, I hate that. Don't worry, I'll fix that. My lessons are not like that. But um, as I progress throughout my career, um, what that means is depending on the school you're in, you can either take head of department, which is one particular subject, or you can take head of faculty, which means you lead on all of those subjects. And the very first time I took head of faculty, I thought, yeah, you know what? I've taught a number of these subjects. I'll be all right. Mm. What happened was I was then, because of the league tables and the way schools work, it meant that I had to prioritize history and geography and not teach any of the subjects that I'm actually truly specialist in. And it was hard work. And I'll say, for the record, this was, um, what can I what can I say, seven years into my career. So I'd like to consider myself relatively seasoned, relatively knowing what I'm doing. And that ish was hard. Um, not to mention the fact that I was the only person in the school doing that job because it was a new school. So it's not like I had a team of other teachers and I was leading and able to just pull on their expertise. I was expected to be the expert. Now, the impact of that, the problem was that like, I can learn very quickly. I know my job and I feel like, I feel like once you know your craft, regardless of the project you're given, you just take the basic underlying skills, right? Yeah. But when you've got a manager who is micromanaging, who is putting the pressure on the outputs and not allowing you the time to grow into your new role, essentially this is where the problem begins and one one of the key problems was also for me is as experienced as I was I one wasn't always sure of what I needed to ask for because I I became so overwhelmed and blindsided and I spoke to Nat about this in a totally different context but sometimes the desperation um, of wanting to prove yourself or being in a new setting 
you forget your skill yeah. or yeah. like the pressure of a manager, the wrong type of manager. The, for me, it was the wrong type of manager. You actually can forget who you are in this mm, game. Agreed. And it was stressful. That's the job that I've defined as the demon job, honestly. <laughs> Honestly, mm. so, so how did you get through that situation? Was that something that you now flagged with superiors or somebody else in the school? Or did you just firm it and say, do you know what? Yeah, sacrifice for a little bit because I don't know. It was everything. It was everything. It was sacrifice. Oh. It was like, I'm new to this and I'm committed to this and I want to make it work. So I'm going to put it. Times where I was working stupid o'clock. Yeah. Stupid, stupid, stupid o'clock. Been there. Um, and then there were times. There were times when I was like, "Trust yourself." Like, okay, you're working to stupid o'clock, but you've you've got a rhythm and a flow. The one thing I didn't do very well is manage my manager. Mm. And mm. at the end of the day, I'm the specialist. Although I wasn't quite the specialist, but I'm the specialist in this arena. You, you need to give me the space to breathe to do my job. Mm. And it took me too long to find my voice in remembering that. But what I did do is I sought help from. Um, like the wider network of our federation and had a consultant come in and sort of guide me through. Mm. And once they guided me through, like, because actually, do you know what? There were things that I actually just did not know. And it didn't matter how skillful, it was like, basically I described it as having to learn to walk again, but your feet are cut off. So you know how to walk and you know what you're supposed to do but you haven't got the essential tool. And for me in that situation, the essential tool was the subject knowledge. And there's a wealth of knowledge. I don't know, what what do they need to know? What don't they need to know? Like, what are the bare essentials? Where do we strip back here? And somebody needs to come through in the organization and basically strip it back <laughs> and tell you, this is what is required at a bare minimum. And not bare minimum as in lowering the standard, but bare minimum so that you can start to see the wood through the trees or the trees through the woods, whatever way it goes. Mm. Um, but yeah, it ain't easy. I, I ended up leaving. I, I mean, I can do the job and I do the job now, but I think that the, the key ingredient that really made that messy was the, my line management. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's yeah. interesting because um, I like the point that you made earlier with regards to it depends on where you are at in your career because I'll quickly give a, an example of my own. Now, this happened quite some years ago now. Um, I joined a company, I would say, mm, not extremely junior position, but just kind of like that mid-level sort of. I was an executive. There was a manager above me so I joined everything's cool everything's calm I go on holiday in month four um just literally for a few days quick city break I come back my manager is not there anymore there's basically been a bunch of redundancies oh I have only been in the job three months and something it is a whole oh host of stuff God. that I did not know how to do that only this person knew how to do but there was an ex expectation that I would just pick it up like I literally remember like I love this one colleague because he just took me to the side into one of the meeting rooms and was like yeah they really screwed it up basically he was proper empathizing with me he was like they should have given you a heads up or something because now there's all this stuff that needs to be done. And then people were coming to me, like they literally, sorry, I just consider it audacity, really. They were coming to me and 
and asking me this, that and the other, knowing full well, I just joined the company. So how on earth was I supposed to know how to do those things? And they're managing their own timelines or whatever with clients and stuff. As if I am that person that has left, I am not. I was a junior member of that two person mm. team. That person know how to do all those things. And there's not one single one of you that even knows what the hell that person was doing that you can inform me. And honestly, it was just a really difficult period of time, which probably lasted mm, about six to eight months in terms of just like pushing through it. But in this case, I pushed through it because I don't know. I don't even know why. I think after a few months, I was just like, Bunny, I don't even want to be here. But in my experience, I need to push through that feeling in order to get to the other side, to get the reward of experience, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I just pushed through it. I tried to learn as I was going along and, you know, I was managing client expectations as well. They didn't even know why the person had gone. I couldn't tell them anything either. It was just a, an unholy mess, a basically. Shambles. A shambles. It was exactly mm. like this fake scenario I presented at the beginning based on the true story where it's, oh, why is this person gone? Hush, whispers, hush, whispers. I never even knew I still to this day never even found out I think I must have messaged the person and said oh I heard that you aren't coming back and they were like yeah I can't talk about it and that was that and it was only this other project manager or something who took me aside and basically gave me the tea (laughs) on everything that happened I was like swear down like I was just like Mm. this is ridiculous anyway long story short as I said before I pushed through that and obviously like that was something actually that was recognized just the way I stood um what's the what's the word not stood up I can't I can't remember the term that we that you stepped up that's that's the term I was looking for it was recognized that I stepped up in in that period and eventually that's something that allowed me to be promoted in that company I will still say that that happened too much later than it should have like it should have been much earlier but in the end I was promoted etc whatever and I think that's an example of where sometimes if you just muddle through the process potentially potentially there can be a reward for you on the other side but it's not guaranteed it's not promised it's one of those things where that's the risk that you have to decide within yourself that you want to take because like I said there were times when I just thought bun this like and I was getting calls sometimes when I was out with friends and I was like no you people didn't consider me so why are you calling me about xyz when you know full well I don't know how to do these things no one ever taught me but again it's one of those things I feel like people have to weigh up where I was in my career I was like okay I've got the mental fortitude to try and push through this if I was younger I probably would have just quit I I literally if I'm I've been an older person now again I probably would just quit to to be honest with you because I don't like that situation (laughs) like I've done my time I've done my lesson I've done my oh you need to muddle through it and you come out the other side I've done it now I'm not doing it again I feel like there's there's and I will hear from Rachel and that but there's there's like two things at play here is one knowing what to ask for in order to do the job whatever level you're at because even if you're a graduate well if you're a graduate you've never you potentially never worked in your field and so whilst you studied it theoretically you don't necessarily know the intricacies of in practice and then if you are skilled you're still being thrown into a situation where you know you're overloaded or you're there's pieces of information missing but the second part is which you said in the scenario is you're being undervalued because essentially if you're doing two people's mm-hmm. work the work that is sort of outside of your job description or your technical ability and you're going to have to skill up there's another there's another conversation there about pay me what i'm worth bbhm need 
and and how look what I'm waiting for uh, an un an un I don't even know what the word is, but we don't even know if that promotion is going to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. paying me is also a thing. Yeah, exactly, hundred percent. I mean, I got a pay rise eventually again I wasn't really happy with it because I was like this doesn't really reflect what I should have got more honestly Mm -hmm. but I mean that one's a whole other story for a whole other day but that's just one of the examples that I wanted to give um I don't know Rach or Nats if you've ever been kind of in a similar situation (laughs) well just give us one quickly (laughs) yeah just one quickly yeah um I think one of my roles that I was in um that role was like it was literally advertised as a role that was already there. But what I didn't know till I got there and I'd got the role was that it was actually a new role that they had created and they that merged several different roles I together. I hate when they do so that. So mm. when I started talking to people, like when it was my first week and I was explaining to people what like, you know, I'm this this is my role, da 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 because they was asking me like, what role are you doing here? They were all looking at me like I was crazy. And I was thinking, why are people looking at me like this? Like, have I done something wrong? Is it because I look a certain way? Like, I was thinking, I was thinking all types of things. And it's only when I found, I'm not going to lie, when I found the black people, <laughs> one black guy just came to me and he, he took me to one side and he was like, girl, you're in the wrong role. He was like, listen, what, you're, what they're getting you to do is setting you up for failure, basically. Mm. There's absolutely no way you're going to be able to do this role, no matter what you do, whether you stay back, whether you um, stay wow. back after work and do extra hours, whether you, like, kiss up ass to any of these people. Like, mm-hmm. you're, there's no way you're going to be able to do this role. Like, I don't know how you're going to get to the stage that they want you to get, but this is a fake role, and they're basically just, like, selling you dreams, basically. They're winging like, it, basically. Yeah. And I literally, I got that role and then like, it was a contracted role. So at the end of my contract, they quickly renewed it. So I was thinking, okay, so maybe I'm doing something right. And then the um, manager came and was talking to me. Bear in mind, my actual line manager didn't even know I was coming. So on my first day, she was just like, who are you, basically? No. So that was red flag. No. And she was a black woman as well. And she was like, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to see another black face here but who are you like and it was just like I, she's like I didn't know I was having additions to my team all of this that is mad but to cut a long 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 story short um they made me redundant um with one month's notice which I think is illegal but I'm not even going to go into the little bits and all these things but they basically set up a role that was, wasn't was doable and then they just looked for somebody to blame at the end, which they tried to blame me and several others, which they put in the roles alongside mine and some underneath mine. So, um, yeah. But I was the first one there and then the rest of the people followed. But it was like, I felt like every day was torture at work. Mm. Like, my blood pressure was literally going higher every day. And I was like, I don't know if any of you guys have an Apple Watch, but literally the Apple Watch was buzzing 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 every day I reached into the office my BP was through the roof so um I can literally like say that like if that happens to anyone my personal personal um suggestion would be like look for another job ASAP this money through business don't be doing it because you will end up with some sort of health condition like I'm surprised that nothing serious happened to me because what was happening over there was mad like honestly mad and I'm so happy that I'm in a better position than I was there because mm. literally it was disgusting 
Martin. Nats, what's your um, personal experience? Because I know you definitely <laughs> have some. Oh, give us stories, one. Matt. The short no, version. <laughs> it's just a few words. It's like a Oi. if I speak one. Mm. If I stop, we'll have to do part three, part four, oh, version two, version 7.8. You know, this will take us longer it's than true. the release of, of the Donda album. Like, li- let me tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> you know how, do you know how much... It weighs on me. I actually went to Google the name of the lawyer, the one that was torturing me. Wow. Because I had a very similar situation to Rachel where basically um, they created this role again. Who told them to get creative on my dime, Mm -hmm. on my life? And to be fair, I've still got beef with my recruiter, Charlie, because he did not tell me properly what the role was. Yeah, Charlie. Yes, call him out. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, Yeah, Charlie. I don't even think he's a recruiter anymore. He's wicked and bad, mind you. And if I had the gusto, I would actually call him and just cuss him out. I would literally call him, cuss him, and then put down the phone and block my number. But obviously, we don't do them. T- we don't do them things there. We're professionals, but we, we don't. Okay, cool. Well, not to recruiters anyway. But mm. I feel like I've spoken on the podcast before about um, leaving my first initial law firm to work for another law firm mm-hmm. for a role mm-hmm. that was a newly hybrid created role. And the team that I worked with had no business hiring me. They were actually just, you know, period, horrible people. The person I worked for was horrible. He had me in the office till 2 a.m. doing nonsense and typing and stuff because apparently that's how you learn. To be fair, I've Googled his page now and I'm at his new law firm and I went to look and see what deals he's doing. And he joined the law firm in 2019 and it's only in 2021 that he's doing a deal. So the problem was not me, it was you at all. But honestly, no, I'm being serious because you, you have to do these things because yeah. the thing about yeah. these type of roles where you sign up and then you get up to do 10, 20, 30 different things is not only is it setting you up for failure, but it's damaging your confidence. Yeah. And I yep. did get, and the, the joke is, is that after like two months of this, I said, no, nah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm out. So I started interviewing, started interviewing, started interviewing. It's only when they found out I started interviewing that they wanted to call me into a room and be like, oh, you know, we're going to let you go, but we'll honour your um, probation for another three months of this. And I said to them, I said, that's okay because I've got a new job and I need to leave now. (laughs) So I'm going to take up your offer of the probation and have two months off because you offered it to me and you can't take it back. But I remember thinking to myself, like, that whole process, it did so much to damage my confidence Mm -hmm. in terms of who I am, working for some psycho maniac that has no friends, basically, that wasn't actually a nice person, period, Mm -hmm. to, to work with. And it's only now, I would say, when did this happen? 2015? What, 2021? Now, I would say that I'm feeling 110% better about it in terms of I know that those people were psychos, so whatever. But Mm. I think for me, anytime someone says we're creating a new role, a new this, and I say, ah, next. Run for the hills. Mm -hmm. No, I don't want to be anyone's, like, experiment. Experiment. No, not not me, nor, and I feel specifically, and this leads on to my next question, not as someone of our demographic. So this was the question that I wanted to ask next because obviously a lot of people experience have this experience but where it relates to us as black women working in our audience it's like has being a black female in the workplace for you ever played a very significant consideration in just how you chose to navigate and flag or deal with that issue like when I think in terms of I don't I can't honestly say for myself 
that that played a part. It was just like, no, you people are mad. Like, I, I'm just, a, I just think on a general, why are you moving mad? I don't think consideration of being black and female came into it. It was just like, wow, you're really trying to rinse me. Like, you must think I'm low-key a slave or indentured servant to be doing this work and not receiving yeah, the, the recognition say, or the pay. Can I just say something, though? It's funny because, like, you, certain things are unconscious but we're aware that they're they're Mm -hmm. unconscious in the sense of like you can't say it never really came into play because it's part of who you are and how you act and how you expect people to I mean consciously yeah to respond to you anyway so you might not have sat there and thought oh they're treating me like this because I'm black but deep down you knew but Mm. the thing is I, I honestly I can honestly tell you in a moment that I didn't that was not a consideration for me and it didn't enter my mind. What entered my mind first was just like, you lots are trying to be cheapskates. Like you're literally trying to be cheapskates. You're trying to save your client that brings in the most buck, but you're leaving me in charge. Like you're, you're being cheapskates and you're actually lunatics because if I decided to just move mad, you would lose the majority of your business overnight and everyone would be effed. So I, I just think there was, people weren't thinking they just didn't even consider they didn't think and maybe there were other personal agendas or whatever that were coming into play with the person that had to leave etc but for me it wasn't like a it wasn't um yeah it wasn't a consideration like that at the top of my mind but feel free to talk about your experiences might might fall into play I don't think necessarily that certain workplaces or the workplace that I refer to perhaps have um deliberately treated me in a certain way because I was black or Mm. female but I will speak from the lens of being a Mm mum I think as a as a working mum sometimes that that and and in that particular workplace I was the only parent I was the only person with a child and I think the same might apply for like if you're in a relatively young workspace and you're potentially older um mm-hmm. when you when there when, my point is it wasn't being black and female but there was something that marked me as different from the group and when there is something that marks you as different from the group whether it's motherhood whether it's ability or disability or age um I think that people ignore the other factors that play into your life so for me you, me working till 2am I cannot do that Mm-mm. yeah because a child is going to wake up at five six seven I have to have a certain amount of energy that balances off between work and home life whereas other people are at a stage in their career where they're able to give 110 percent um and so therefore how you navigate how then I navigate that in terms of you know, how do you speak up for yourself without the factor seeming like an excuse or the factor being received and people actually understanding fully where you're coming from, where you're saying, I'm a carer, I'm a parent or whatever it is, you know, I have a responsibility. And we, I think we spoke about this quite early, early in the creation of the podcast in terms of as black women working, we do tend to have other responsibilities mm-hmm. whether it be in the church, whether it be with extended family, whether it be with having, you know, maybe more children or having children earlier or whatever it is. But um, I think it can be really tricky to speak up for yourself when the thing that actually is maybe 
the marked factor that you have to consider in navigating your life. Other people will say, oh, well, yeah, it's because she's young. And then you feel like that weighs against you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, Nats and Rach, for you and your experiences, did you feel or did you have that consideration in your head? Oh, I'm black female. I don't really know if I, if I approach it in a certain way, they might try and say, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Did yes. that ever figure in? Okay. Talk, yeah. Talk yes, to, to yes, me about yes. it. Because I felt like when I was entering, like, and this was the first time for me that I was going into like board meetings and mm-hmm. in my career, like board meetings and meetings with CEOs of the company and all of that. Like, Some of them were looking at me like, what are you doing here? And most of them were older white men, I would say. Mm -hmm. There were a few women. And um, the woman that actually interviewed me, oh, she was terrible. Like, she was just looking at me. There was another man who actually mistaked me for a student before the meeting. So it was just horrible. Absolutely horrible. Like... I hated it and I knew it was because I was black. If I was a white young girl or a white male, they would not have treated me in that way. Well, you know what? That's a perfect segue, you know, into the next question because I was going to say, you know... I haven't had a chance to answer. Oh, okay. Answer, answer, answer quickly though, please. I don't have anything to say. You're a wretch. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you so much, man. No, I do, but then, like, obviously, like, we've got to move on. I think for me, just quickly, Hmm. it's more about, like, I I just find it, like, when you're black a woman and you look young you're I feel like either you're the favorite or you're less likely to be the favorite but the biggest issue for me and the biggest issue I feel like I still have to this day is that I look and sound very young oh please um, Natalie stop it you're milking no, no, no. this one I, no but I, no, I agree with her I no but I do her. in she terms of like if young. you're dealing if you're like on a call and young. everyone is like late 30s yeah I'm 33. I'm not 25. Sometimes on these calls, when I just have my like my extensions, I don't mm-hmm. have makeup, I don't have lashes. Yeah, people are looking at me like, oh, she's so little. I'm I 4 foot 11. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so people are. be like, what do you know? And so I'm be like, yeah, go on Law Society and see I qualified in 2013. Yeah, it's a senior associate in, in, in the signature box, yeah? So I do get it, but I think it's it's like a mixture of all three, being a female, looking young and sounding young. I am young and buff, but then also being black. So it's all of that mixed up in one. That's what I feel. Do you know what? You actually read something that um, I can relate to because um, like you, but I, well, I look very young for my age, right? Like I said, there's only a year between okay. us. But okay. Like okay. my colleagues the often... The full of young things. Yeah, my young is full of young things, man. But um, young team painting still. But um, <laughs> like my colleagues, I think this, this um, new batch of colleagues, when I told them how old I was, they were just rattled. Like they were rattled. One of my colleagues, he literally actually says this quite a few times, actually sometimes. He's just like, I still can't get it out of my head that you're not 23. Like, sometimes he'll just be looking at me. Like, he's a lovely guy. I love him. Fantastic person. But, um, yeah, for me, that's proper. That's actually played a big part in quite a number of things. And sometimes I see it when I sit down in an interview. And, obviously, they've seen my CV. They've seen my accolades. And they see my accolades. They see my receipts, yeah? Mm-hmm. And, but they're looking at me and they're like, hmm? Like, didn't you just come out of the womb yesterday? So, in that sense, I feel like um, that's probably 
played a part in how I've had to navigate certain issues? It, has it played a part in how I've navigated the issue of being overloaded with work? Mm, I don't think so because I stand up for myself. I feel like now in my career, like literally for maybe the past five or six years. Before that, I was just like, yes, sir, nice, sir, three bags, full, sir. But um, I feel like I, I've come to a place now where well, I can't change my face. My face looks how it is. But what you're not going to do is kind of diminish me in any way, shape or form because you think I'm older than I, younger than I look. So that's where I'll say that kind of intersects with this whole issue now. Now, moving back to what Rachel said, um, talking about how she feels if it was a white colleague going through that, they would be treated differently. So that was one of the other questions that I wanted to ask or wanted to discuss, because obviously this issue of being overloaded with work is not isolated to just us. I've seen other that happen to other people in the workplace and literally a lot of them have just crumbled or they've called, they've, um, they've done the, I'm going to the doctor and taking sick leave and the sick leave has been like 10, 10 years basically. Um, mm. But I want, I guess what I wanted to discuss was um, if you were able to notice any difference in the way concerns from white colleagues with regards to this have or are treated in, uh, in comparison to fellow black or ethnic minority colleagues and like, what's your honest view on this? I know there's the presumption well, there's an answer that we all know intrinsically but let's dig a little bit deeper into that and and if you feel that that plays a part why I mean for me for my personal I've been very transparent recently about um you know working in the pandemic and how that has kind of led to overwork um and being under resourced things like that a lot of people have gone through that and I feel like I feel like it's been if I'm honest with you, a universal thing. So I know in my immediate workplace, when it comes to being overloaded and to um, always saying yes, I feel like I have been more akin to always say yes because I want to make sure that I get the best opportunities because I'm used to being passed over for the best opportunities mm. because I don't look like the favourite. So I, I don't look and sound like what people are expecting yeah. a corporate lawyer to look and sound like. And no matter what people say about diversity, we people still have very set views about how they're expecting people in certain professions to be whether that's doctors accountants whatever whatever so I think for me I've always had that insecurity of like especially coming from teams where I've been passed over for the better work because you know I don't sound like I went to private school or whatever I can't bother to go into it is what it is I've then internalized that and made sure I say yes to everything because I'm scraping to keep myself busy to justify my existence mm -hmm. whereas in the lockdown it's just been World War Three in terms of everyone's been busy. I'll talk to other people. Everyone's just been strung out. And I think it's a lot of one working from home, not knowing what's going to happen in the economy. So there's always some anxiety around that. And also trying to yeah. get things done. And even, you know, work creation, which I think is a crime punishable by death. <laughs> like all of that mixed in, I feel like a lot of people I've, I've spoken to, even like my colleagues who are nothing like me in terms of demographic, like they're not ethnic minorities, some mm. of them are men. It's been a consistent theme of my mental health, I'm tired, mm. I can't cope, I'm stressed. Yeah. I don't know if how that will be post-apocalypse. So like <laughs> once we're looking back in the rearview mirror and we're like, whoa, that pandemonium was the ghetto, but mm. now we're back to normal. I don't know how that will be. But I know for me, like across the board, every mm -hmm. you know, it's been raining and everyone's been getting a sprinkle. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's the that's the way I see it. And I, I think I think you raise an important point then that um about 
and it's not, I'm not really echoing you, I'm just, I think I'm saying something slightly different, maybe controversial, is about perception. And mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes our perception is warped yeah. based on our mental health. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. so you may or may not be overworked and you need to check it. Like, are you overworked because you have too much work or are you overworked because you actually can't cope because you're tired? Yeah. And that's a whole nother conversation about, you know, the stigma around, we, and we speak, we speak on this all the time about being tired and knowing when to break and knowing when to rest. And the other side of it, I think, is the whole idea of, living up to excellence and so I know you know one of my character flaws which presents itself as a lovely thing to have is that I'm quite a perfectionist and that means that I myself will give myself extra work to do because I'm very particular about how I want it to be and so um I think we also need to be careful about the role that we play in sort of one understanding how much work we really do have to do in a job um and two um like i don't know our our ability to say it's okay no stop for whatever reason whether that's because you're tired or because you're a perfectionist if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah it does i think it's one of those things regardless of the perception or the reality if it if the situation is impacting you in a way that you feel you're overworked, then that's your truth, kind of, with regard, yeah. whether irrespective, irregardless if something else is triggering that. And I think it's one of those things we just kind of know need to know our own personal boundaries in terms of when is the point where we say, actually, we need to have a conversation with someone. So taking it back to the pandemic, as Natalie said, it's been raining on everyone. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. feeling the heat. And I could definitely see that within my role as well like there are certain times I cannot even describe the intensity of the weeks just back to back to back to back to back and one thing my manager is quite good at doing I mean we have one-to-ones every week she'll be like oh how you feeling everything and you you know the weeks that I just felt like oh man I could just pass out for another week I just tell her I'll just be like do you know what yeah it's been proper tense and Mm -hmm. um and she'll check in with me and in a very tangible way as a oh is there anything I can help you with whatever if I say there is something she'll pick it up if it's if I say no I think this is just going to pass in a bit then I'll firm it and I'll I'll continue to move on so I think also that kind of plays a very important role in the way that we handle these feelings like Natalie said like her previous manager was a demon but if you don't have a demon for a manager you feel more able to manage these situations and therefore they appear to you less like you were being Mm. overloaded and overworked it's just kind of it's one of those things that happens with the role in peak periods so I think like the support network that's available plays like a really key role in how um how overworked or overloaded we feel because where there's support then there's other people that we can push things out onto can carry the weight for us but when it's just all us and we feel like well our colleagues don't like us and we don't like them and everything like that well it's just going to be a bit mad still but I mean how about you Rachel like what is what has been your experience in terms of like seeing how Caucasian colleagues have dealt with overwork and being overloaded and versus perhaps black colleagues or other ethnic minority colleagues if you can indeed speak to that I think for me it was more what you mentioned before Tolls where you'll see your Caucasian colleagues either they'll just take it in their stride or they'll find a way around it 
like mm. we were all muddling through and we muddled through together kind of thing or they'll be off on sickness they'll be doing ducking and diving they'll find a way like oh this person's um before <laughs> pandemic this person's working from home and all of a sudden they're working from home for the whole week but then when you suddenly ask oh can I work from home today because maybe your fridge is getting um delivered mm. it's a no so I was your like fridge getting we... delivered <laughs> yes it was getting delivered thank you very much Anywho, um, I feel like they, as I feel like for me, what I've seen in the different roles and the different sectors that I've worked in, mm-hmm. Caucasian people find a way. To we can call them white here, but it's, it's not white, a, they work. white, Caucasian, yeah. whatever. They find a way like to just get through. And I feel like that's sometimes a way that when, we as black women can't do. When you say get through, like, I want to clarify, is that do they have like a cheat code or something that they're using? This is the thing I'm trying to find out. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I'm trying to find out. Do they have a cheat code? Because if I if they do, I need to know what it is. And if it's not, like, I just feel like sometimes it's just tears as well. Like, they'll be doing mm. up tears for HR. Oh, this happened and this and this and this and this happened. But as black women, we've been through similar things. And it's mm. like, it's funny how they can get away with it. But when it's us, it's like, oh, she can't do the work. Or, oh, she's but overloaded. But you know what? I, wanna, I, I really want to challenge that. Because one thing I've begun when I do reflection, especially on stressful periods, is that, like, we don't have, like... When I say audacity, I don't mean like the audacity, but it's like Vim. we don't have the yeah the, the courage, Vim, bravery, the courage, yeah. the bravery to ask for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So sometimes mm-hmm. when we see people doing certain things, we're like, "Rah, no, we're not taking our sick leave, guys. We're not taking our sick. We're not. We're not taking our sick leave. It's true. We're not getting signed off by the doctor because inherently there's there is a worry basically that yes. you know anything we do it creates a hyper a hyper visibility right. and even if you're not even if you're not in an environment where people are dragging you for filth because of the color of your skin if you've worked in environments where you've suffered discrimination you're in post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorder whatever you call it yep. ptsd mm-hmm. whatever so even if i'm in a good environment now my mind and my emotions and my right. understanding of what it's like to be at work is back when I was working for that demonic person who wanted me working till 2am to do typos and documents. Like yeah. Sometimes your mind and your experience and yeah. how you feel about manoeuvring in work is not even about where you are currently. It's about the previous workplace previous. or the workplace mm-hmm. pre- previous yeah. to that. So sometimes like, I don't even see it like, you know, a cheat code. They just, they're just raised they and socialised right. differently to us. Where Because their mums won't look at them with a side eye if they tell them, <laughs> oh, I'm going on sick leave, mum, oh, right. and I'm going on sick leave for five right. weeks. Their oh, mums Lord. won't look at them and tell well, them to get back to work. If we start this topic, we'll, we'll, no, we'll never finish. I was trying to make about reality versus perception mm-hmm. yeah. and understanding whether or not is this thing, this pressure being created by myself mm-hmm. or whatever pressure, you we know, I I, yeah, I can't leave my job because I can't afford it. I can't take yes. sick leave. They won't let me. I have a lot yeah. of work. I have to prove myself because I'm in this role. Because I always, do, you know, we often feel like, and I speak maybe personally rather than the black woman working, is that my my fifty percent is somebody's eighty percent. Somebody's eighty percent is Thank my you, Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am excellent, and I have to. I I'm now in a phase where I'm confident enough to recognize that I can do excellent effortlessly. But has been tell times, them yeah, again. Tell yeah, them. But there have been times where we put pressure undue 
undue pressure on ourselves. And that may be, and not maybe, it probably is based on all kinds of trauma, both in and out of the workplace. Mm -hmm. But that, that was my point. Is the perception a reality? Well, mm. this is the whole point of discussing the topic because I feel like sometimes with topics like these, people can jump to the conclusion of what they think we are going to say. But ultimately, what we come here to do is we come to speak to our truths and our experiences and actually interrogate ourselves and our behaviours and the way we've handled things in the past. And I think that point that you've raised, Chantal, is extremely, extremely important because yeah. sometimes we do have the tendency to slip into the mode of victim when it might not possibly be that maybe sometimes we've contributed to our own um we've contributed to our own stress we've contributed to to, yeah exactly and the negativity that we feel not because there's any external forces necessarily imposing that on us so that's why i think as black women working it is always and it is essential to do an audit all the time of your experiences and the realities of that. Ask yourself those hard questions. Is it me? That's the hardest question you can ask yourself. Is it me? Is there anything that I could do to better the situation for me? Are there things that I have not dealt with, excavated, I've put in a little box in my mind, which are creeping out like octopus tentacles every now and again to make me perceive things in a way they're not they are not actually and it's so tough it's so hard to find the balance to do this because obviously we live in a society where microaggressions just rule everything and when the aggressions are so subtle they're so insidious you do spend literally majority of your life gaslighting yourself asking is it or isn't it is it or isn't it and there's literally no one that can tell you the definitive answer to that except for yourself you have to choose whether it is for you or whether it isn't for you so this topic has been interesting in understanding that sometimes yes there's work pressures there's like and in we can't debate sometimes the fact that we are overloaded with work and there's people that we're dealing with that don't care about us very toxic workspace etc mm-hmm. etc et but there are also occasions when actually the pressure is coming from ourselves maybe our wider family network maybe our community and it's good to interrogate which of the two it is and be able to discern and deal with it accordingly which leads us to the kind of final section of this episode today and as always we want to be we want to keep it practical basically so I guess the question I'm asking is let's talk to our audience let's tell them how we can empower ourselves to kind of push back in these circumstances whether it's pushing back against Mm. our own perceptions or the actual environment we're in or even as we've spoken about before spotting the red flags in the distance so we can jump ship or just swerve completely out of it yes (laughs) go on I'm going to give a quote here. It's one of my favourite quotes, which is by Henry Ford. I'm sorry, it's not by a woman. Um, And he says, whether you think you can't or whether you think you can, you're probably right. And for me, that's the sort of underpinning on like trust yourself. Mm -hmm. If you know you can, you probably can. You just need the right conditions, whether that's a little bit more time or, you know, a little bit more space or whatever it is to get it right. If you think you can't, maybe you can't. And you know what? I don't, there is no harm in walking away from a job that you can't if you really can't because Mm -hmm. staying is going to be more detrimental to yourself and the organisation than to just, I don't want to say accept or admit defeat, but 
you might need to give yourself space to grow in another capacity. Understand your own limitations, basically. And that's okay. Um, And the other thing I would say, like on a really practical level, based on the scenario that you set in the beginning is like, okay, everything seems really, really sweet. You've been hoodwinked, you've been sold a dream. If you are in it and you're willing to stay because you want the stretch, you want the challenge, and and actually there's parts of that that role or that organisation that are appealing, let's knuckle down to the priorities because we will overload ourselves with work looking at the whole um, mm-hmm. yes, description over yeah. our whole lifespan at this place. And really and truly what you might want to do, and because you know better, because you are skilled, you want to do everything, speak to your manager and say, what is the top priority? Or for yeah. yourself as a skilled professional, decide the priority that you can execute really, really well. And then in the background, be working on the things that you need. And lastly, I mean, I have lots of tips, but lastly, (laughs) I would say, get the training that you need. Ask for what you need or ask your boss, what do you think I need to be able to do this well if you're not sure? You're there, but remember your organization still has a a duty to develop you. And that doesn't mean develop you when you know what you're doing to develop you further. Mm -hmm. You couldn't be in a role where you still do need some training for that role. Ask for what you need, whether you know what it's you need or whether they need to tell you what you need to be successful. Excellent, excellent, yeah. excellent. Anybody else? Um, yeah, just to kind of echo what Shan said as well, like it's important, it's just so important to ask for what the training is and just double check that because many organisations have lots of different training that they don't even push to their employees. They just like, oh yeah, it's there if, if you want it but you can actually gain a lot from that. So that can always help. But then when I put on my careers advisor hat, I'm like, sometimes that job role isn't for you. Have options when you're looking for jobs. Like don't just pick one job and be like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going for. They've offered me like read the contract, read the fine print. Some of the times I didn't read all of these things to my detriment. Mm -hmm. So like make sure you read all of that stuff and you're happy with it. And if there isn't anything that you're you're not happy with, like challenge it and ask them questions about it. Don't feel afraid, be confident in yourself to be able to ask those questions and to challenge them. Mm-hmm. Natalie? My piece of advice is funny. I gave um, someone who just joined my team today, who's my, gonna be my junior, was just, <laughs> just manage expectations. Mm-hmm. Like mm. you're, you're newly joined it's okay everyone's going to be offering you stuff you're not going to want to say no because you don't want to come across as that person who's difficult to work with but in the same breath just be like actually I can only do so much this is what I'm doing this is when I need to get it done and kind of just and just and just put the lay of the land just lay the law in that sense and say Mm -hmm. when people are giving you work be clear about what you have because nine times out of ten a lot in these organizations when people are getting overloaded is senior people are not really talking to each other about what they're assigning to people and you're trying to be a good worker by saying yes to everything Mm. but the people that are assigning work to you don't even realize that you're overloaded and they don't want you to be overloaded because when you're working too hard the quality of your work is crap right Mm. And nobody wants crap work. Just don't be afraid to sit set a boundary and be like, I'm comfortable with doing 10 or 8 or 7, <clears throat> however many hours a day you are doing. And if you look at your work and you look at your list and you're seeing that it's impossible to do that, just be transparent and manage expectations. Just say, I've got this from this person, that from this person, that from this person, and that's when I need to get it in. Do you think you can work with my time in order? You know, do you want to speak to this person if your work is more urgent? And let them work it out. Do you know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're just there, like letting the list go down. It's getting yep. longer and longer and longer, and you're suffering for what? So, 100%. my only piece of advice is just manage expectations from day one. It's not you being difficult; it's you being transparent. Never say that you don't want to do work. Say that I can do it, but yes, yeah, hundred percent. And if they're happy with the but, and if they're happy to wait for it then of course you do it when you get a chance. If they're not happy to wait for it, they've got to find it and allocate it to someone else. And that's on them. That's Literally, the way I see it. this is my job every day. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 mm, yeah, I can do it, but not in the time frame that you've given it. Are you willing to flex? Literally. But um, I think my advice to people would be know your capacity. And yeah. when I say know your capacity, it's not um, every job that you would have done before. So you might not know what you are capable of managing. But um, I think you can... Uh, have a a reasonably good judgment of what it is you are able to manage in terms of extra work or overload and stuff. And then Mm. I would say maybe factor in another 10 to 15% hike. If you are the sort of person that wants to make quick and targeted advances in your career, I say that because it is going to take that extra mile in certain cases, well, most cases, to be honest with you, in order to appear on the radar of the people that are able to make the decisions and propel you up. But as I said before, you have to kind of decide for yourself where you're at, what sacrifices you're willing to or not willing to make and then after that you have to own your choices so if you decide that you're going to say yeah 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 to everything that everyone is giving you and then you become overloaded you must own that and you must take responsibility for the fact that you were not able to set boundaries appropriately that's all right you made a mistake now reconfigure it say okay I was saying all this before this is not working for me you own that shift and don't blame that on anybody else um yeah it's basically that to be honest with you know yourself know your capacity take ownership for your choices and in situations where it's somebody else kind of ramming things on you and you've got no control um with regards to that address it if you can with the person if nothing changes then feel very free to leave and leave in a peak time leave them hanging yes. hanging dry yes you heard that i will say it again leave them hanging dry i don't mind if any employers are listening to to that because sometimes they need to know like this is what people will do if you don't treat people right because yeah. I've seen it happen yeah. and then who was left to pick up the pieces it was me and I will say I will say at this time sometimes we can see it coming like yeah. especially in these times oh we're gonna do a restructure of oh, such and such as left and we're not re-employing them you right. need to ask so how will this work be managed it's not re re you know just divide 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 mm-hmm. like you may need to be asking for more of, I don't know, more pay, more time, more something. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You can see it coming. Don't just be huffing mm. and puffing at home. Oh, yeah. you know, it's true. they're not replacing blood. You can see it. And so one more thing I want to add on top of that, actually, because you made something, you just mentioned something. It's very important. If you are going to go and kill yourself doing all this stuff, please write it down. Make a note yeah. of your achievements, every single thing. Yeah. Then when you have your review, your annual thingy, you'll say, listen, this is all the things I've done. Are you going to pay me my money? When they say, yeah, nah, exactly. we're not going to pay you my money, you jump ship, you leave. You go yes. and you leave. Don't stay there. Don't make my mistake. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. <laughs> And on that jolly note, we've come to the end of this episode. Um, 
I hope that's been useful to people listening. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So as said before, join the discussion, hashtag BWWPodcastUK. You can reach us on all our platforms at BWWPodcastUK. Um, if you want to, you can email us, you know, your dilemmas. If you need some assistance with something, we'll speak um, from our own experiences. We're not professionals in, I don't know, a lot of things, but there's things that we can help with because we've been through it as well. So mm-hmm. do feel feel free to contact us that way or reach out in our dms um want to say again thank you for all you lovely listeners that take the time to actually message us and say oh i really resonated with this issue or this episode etc etc honestly we love it so much um you might think that we're getting thousands of these no we're not you guys show your love through your like listens and your subscriptions but when you take the time to actually write comments ah it's it's beautiful it's beautiful so please give us more of that give us more love and hopefully we'll keep producing content that you can identify with and as always tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend i've i don't know if i've gone over the tell a friends however many tell a friends it is tell your friends that we're here when all the listening channels spotify what's it apple podcast what's the other one soundcloud we're here our website is www.blackwomenworking.com and um yeah that's it for this episode so let's all say bye guys Thanks, Tal. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.